Don't Talk to Me Unless It's About Conversations with Friends by Sally Rooney, part one. We have read up until part one of this book, which goes up until page 154. And this is actually new because both Marie and I have read this whole book. I read it many years ago whenever it first came out and um, don't actually remember exactly what happened at the end. Marie read it more recently, so she does remember what happened, but we are going to try not to give any spoilers and just focus on the part one. So Marie, we had been saying we're going to focus on the dynamics between the characters because Sally Rooney talks a lot about there's no individual, everything is relational. And I feel like that really applies in this book where each character is different depending on who they're with. So, you know, there's Francis and Bobby, Francis and Nick, Nick and Melissa, Bobby and Melissa, Francis and Melissa. So look at things, <clears throat> excuse me, mostly through the pairings. And I was thinking of starting with us talking about Francis and Bobby, if you're down for that. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So when I look at Francis and Bobby, I feel like they are in this very unclear, like weird power dynamic relationship where Bobby is the star and Francis just feels so inferior to her. And it's, I would love a book by Bobby's perspective because I can't tell if that's like really it or if Francis just sees it that way because she's so like self, uh, she just like has such low self-worth. Hmm. Um, and, but they both have, I think a lot of kind of flaws in how they interact. And I would love to know how their romantic relationship actually ended. I feel like that's like a huge missing piece. And I don't remember if we find that out in the second half. Um, but, you know, some of the things I see with them is like, they're constantly talking around things, or at least again, it's all from Francis's perspective. So like, Francis will say things like, you know, I know that Bobby was trying to show off. So I didn't actually ask her about Melissa. And I'm like, was Bobby trying to do that? Or does Francis just think that there's, I think this is a common thing for Francis is there's just like always a lot of speculating and assuming you're inferior. Yeah, I noticed that as well. And I underlined quite a few moments where Francis in her internal monologue, which is a lot of the book, uh, talks about how she walks around pretending that she looks like Bobby and behaving in the world as if that is what she looks like to the point where I think there's some, <laughs> I just reread this yesterday there is one moment where she gets so wrapped up in that fantasy that she sees herself in the mirror and doesn't recognize herself. And I just thought that was such an interesting moment uh, for, for that character. I think there's just a lot of moments where Frances uh, doesn't really seem to know her, who she is. Uh, and I mean, to the point of in relationship with other people she almost tries to be them or um yeah figure out who she is in relationship to yeah. them or pretend that she's bobby in relation or in right. other relationships i think she had a uh, quote with about nick of like bobby just brought nick pure joy and entertainment and i brought him like such an intensity of highs and lows and always seeing herself in comparison like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that moment of her like in the mirror is like, oh gosh, wow, you're 
really living this fantasy life about like my life would be so much better if I was Bobby. I would belong everywhere. People would love me. And Francis is kind of always thinking of, you know, oh, I hope I'll have something witty to say. Um, I would, I like when people see that I know someone else and they can tell that like maybe I'm not so inferior. And I feel like all of that is always wanting to be perceived the way she sees Bobby as this like charismatic comfortable everywhere belongs everywhere kind of person Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and makes her feel comfortable in the world too francis uh, um feels more confident when bobby is next to her it seems Uh, although that shifts a little bit when she starts having this affair with nick and can't tell bobby about it and so she has this other part of her uh that she's accessing that i think is interesting it seems like she's never kept anything from bobby before that right but she basically up until they went to france i couldn't even tell what francis liked about bobby like everything she shared was always just like an unhealthy relationship dynamic and like bobby would say some funny stuff but it was i didn't really get it and then i feel like they showed more just kind of like purely enjoying each other's company in France. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that was, if we're supposed to imagine that that's truly what happened or if maybe just Francis started like seeing things differently and therefore shared more of the fun moments. I didn't think about it that way. I, I mean, I think um, Francis is so, so wrapped up in her own <laughs> stuff (laughs) (laughs) uh so i do think it's interesting to think about it uh from yeah i think there's more there to that relationship with bobby and i do think that we find out more about it in the second half of the book um but i think having these aspirational relationships for francis helps her get away from this family history that she doesn't love this uh, like be becoming part of a different class of people. Bobby and Nick are both more wealthy than she is. And that comes up. And I think that's a huge theme in Sally Rooney's books in general is just class and, and how that plays out in interpersonal relationships subtly um, because Francis doesn't really reveal to them how poor she is. Well, and I... Did you get the same impression that when Francis told Nick about her dad, she said, I've never told anyone this before. And so that made me think she's never even told Bobby. And I'm yeah. thinking they've dated, they've been together for all these years. And Bobby even, you know, would seemingly talk about, Bobby talks about hating the rich anyway. So you would imagine Francis maybe would feel comfortable, but I think she probably sees through the facade of Bobby's. I think they're both <laughs> very hypocritical in a lot of their political ideals of you know bobby's like i love the rich but like i'll go to their vacation house in france no problem for free um you know the way that francis says i don't ever want to work i'm like what (laughs) yeah i found that really interesting i that same piece that you brought up about how she was telling nick about her dad and it became clear that she hadn't shared that with anyone before And so I do think these people that she's in a relationship with help her create this 
new world for herself that doesn't include these hard parts that she doesn't know how to cope with. Uh, and that's just always simmering under the surface, the whole, the whole book. Makes me think too about her when she talks about like she, how she missed studies and she feels like she could immerse herself in studies and f- she missed that distraction. And she's always trying to make herself even smarter to be better than anyone else. And I was trying to understand that part of her. And yeah, I think that makes sense in terms of this escapism from her past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keeping busy to avoid having to confront some of the harder challenges in her life. Uh, especially this sort of abusive relationship with her father and um, his alcoholism, et cetera. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about a few, I thought, particularly bad moments between Francis and Bobby. Um, They had so many of these passive-aggressive moments. And two I wanted to point out, one was on page 65 when they're at, I think, a book signing. And Nick comes in and they're kind of looking at Nick um, and Bobby notices how much Francis is staring at Nick. And we know Bobby has a lot of disdain for Nick. (laughs) Um, And, you know, then Francis says during the reading, we didn't whisper in each other's ears like we usually did. It was a book of short stories by a female writer. I glanced at Bobby, but she kept looking forward. So I knew I was being punished for something. It's just like, oof, this is so, so brutal. I underlined that same line. Did you really? (laughs) There are some lines in this book, and other authors have done this for me too, where I read it and I've had that moment with someone in real life, and it's just described so accurately and sparingly. It's just that one sentence. I knew, you know, I glanced at Bobby, but she kept looking forward. So I knew I was being punished for something. It's just, yeah, I felt that. She does. I have, um, I I did put, write down some notes about just Francis kind of on her own. And I feel like the way she describes personal and social anxieties is like that for me. Um, We'll get to those later. What I'll just mention now is when she says like, I was holding my wrist with my, you know, my left wrist with my right hand. I'm like, oh, what a classic, awkward way to stand. (laughs) I love that description. (laughs) And then just a couple pages later, um, I think it was that same night, page 71, they're talking about Nick again. And this is when Francis says, why are you jealous? And then it blows up into this whole thing. And I felt like Bobby's email that she sent where she was just so mad at Francis for saying that was like totally out of line. And first of all, I was just like, why are you emailing about this? Why don't you talk about some person you see each other all the time? I felt like Bobby took it out of uh took blew it out of proportion and like just went into it so one-sided like attacking Francis as opposed to kind of asking her more about it um which I can also relate to like I've done that (laughs) um and then Francis was just like okay I'll apologize and I I admired her ability to just like not make a big deal of it and move on but it also made me think for her personally that she was probably suppressing some things by just being like, I want the conflict to go away. I'll say I'm sorry. And then I don't have to really deal with it. Yeah, I think 
Sally Rooney's ability to capture the way that human beings miscommunicate with each other is so that is incredible. her thing. <laughs> and I find myself as I'm reading along relating to different characters in different moments in my life of being the person trying to clear up or um maybe not communicating as well as I should have. Uh, and I just think there's so many different ways that she explores that between the different relationships in this book. Because even within that same chapter that you were just talking about where she has the emails between Bobby and Francis, she's at the same time doing these instant messages with Nick uh, while he's away on location and just becoming more and more passive aggressive. And it, for unknown reason, because she's mm -hmm. insecure, basically. And I just thought that was so interesting of, you know, her and Bobby having this kind of pretty vulnerable moment, really, for Bobby to share that she was so upset and then Francis to apologize. And then Francis goes back to Nick and it's just in a total opposition to that behavior, just like poking at him. Mm -hmm. She's constantly poking at him. And yeah, I think it's exactly from all her insecurities of not feeling like he validates having feelings for her, but she creates no opportunity for him to explain that he would have feelings for her. Yeah. Sally Rooney is totally all her books are just pure miscommunication. And it makes him so frustrating, but so relatable. <laughs> the relatability is high. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember, and this is not this book, but I felt similarly when reading this book to normal people so intensely that I t ended up talking about it with my therapist <laughs> afterwards because <laughs> I was like, oh, I I've been in this dynamic before and i need to process that this i read this book and it really came up for me so it's just so real she really does way. capture it yeah. and it makes me think of you know you always hear sh the advice of like the best the key to relationship is open communication and i remember always hearing that and thinking like well duh like i'm not gonna <laughs> not talk to my partner or my friends like just always thinking that was stupid advice and then the longer I've gone on I've seen how complicated communication is and how hard it is to actually say what you're thinking and like to say what you're thinking but in a respectful way and like be open to other points of view so I can totally see bringing this book to therapy yeah yeah and and seeing moments in it that remind you of moments in your own life uh, and realizing you need to work on that more. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think, yeah, Frances frustrates me so much and I see so much of myself in her, which is why she frustrates me so much. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last Bobby Francis thing I have to talk about is that when they played the celebrity game and Bobby puts Francis's name in, it's things like that where I'm like, how could a friend do that to you? It just... I don't, I, again, I would love to know Bobby's perspective of how she could ever think this would be like a fun and playful thing. 
especially the way not even I think putting in her name was one thing, but the way she asked Nick questions um, was really the offensive part. And like what that was what a night before she kissed Francis. And it's like, how can you say you have love for Francis and like do things like that to her? Yeah, I wanted to talk about that moment, too, because what's interesting is I've played that game and I don't know if anybody has ever put someone's name that's in the room, but maybe as like a joke and it can be funny, you know, and so obviously the way that that scene plays out with Nick being the one that draws the name and Bobby figuring it out and then drawing it out in a way that makes everyone uncomfortable. I think Nick also answered for too long. I remember also feeling like, Nick, you should just call this out or like give a funny answer. But he almost like he got, you know, hypnotized by Bobby almost. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I was thinking about it. I don't know. I mean, obviously, Sally Rooney is trying to show us something about both of those characters in that moment and also illustrate how this relationship or tension between Bobby and Nick or not Bobby and Nick, uh, Francis and Nick is noticeable by everyone, but it hadn't been talked about. Mm -hmm. And so this scene plays out in a way that it becomes obvious that everybody knows something's going on even though it hasn't been said do you think that melissa because at this point for all part one melissa seemingly doesn't say she thinks that they're actually sleeping together do you think melissa actually knows that i don't think she does okay i think that she Is in, it seems to me that she's in a place in the relationship where she doesn't feel very positively about Nick at all. And so I think just doesn't believe that that could happen because <laughs> nobody he's else capable of it and that someone else would like him that much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also that, yeah, that he's capable of it. I think she has this view of him that he's weak and kind of docile yeah yeah. and uh yeah it's that that's very interesting dynamic as well there the way that they show that relationship through the very few things that she says Mm -hmm. about it well why don't we talk about melissa and nick okay more because i do not understand their relationship of what they seemingly used to like about each other, what they like about each other. Now we know they've that Melissa has had a couple of affairs and they've stayed together, but without the, it's not like they have an open relationship. Like they Mm -hmm. seemingly are trying to be monogamous and are not doing a good job at it. And, you know, the share having separate bedrooms, like I do not think that alone is indicative of a bad relationship, but they have so much else on top of that. And I, you know, we get to the place in the book where they both talk about, you know, I do love him. I do love her. And I'm kind of just left wondering why. And to me, Nick's behavior, just even if without the affair, would be like cause for a conflict. If I was Melissa, I would 
want to confront Nick. Of like, why are you so obsessed with this, with Francis? Uh, I can see, I can sense the tension. I can sense you have a crush on her. He seemed, you know, he told her, yes, I have feelings for Francis. Like, yet they're not really dealing with it head on. It seems like, like she still invites them to their vacation house. Yeah, there's a lot of really strange dynamics <laughs> happening. <laughs> Uh, because also I'm around Melissa's age right now and I picture myself and my partner going on vacation and inviting a 21 year old that I've known for what, a few months. months. Mm -hmm. What is that? (laughs) I don't get that. I, you know, it's not like they're longtime family friends or something. It's their new friends. And so I think there's something interesting happening where they're enjoying the excitement and creativity and youthfulness of Francis and Bobby. And that's sort of invigorating Mm -hmm. them somehow. That's the only thing that makes sense to me about the situation when I think (laughs) about it in the way, like in my, in my life. Um, it would make more sense if Melissa did like Bobby. Yeah. But we know she that, you know, she put off Bobby's pass on her. It would make more sense to me if Melissa right. really had a crush on Bobby. Because she seems to not even like Francis anyways. Like she that, only likes right. Bobby's company and I get think just kind of takes him as a package deal. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's a total aside from the relationship between Melissa and Nick. So, so the first thing is, why are they inviting them on vacation? Uh, and then, uh, especially if it's very clear that there's some tension there that's not being discussed. Mm-hmm. And then their relationship, yeah, I mean, I think... I would say, like, I've been in a relationship like that and also, like, witnessed other relationships like that where you, like, on paper, I feel like it's a good fit to some degree. They're um, two artists. Two artists that, um, I guess, are into kind of the same same things same worlds Mm -hmm. uh at that point they have you know the same friends they have this dog a home together which is one of the things that it seemed to me was holding them together is sort of this world that they have Mm -hmm. uh and i get that um but they don't really show a ton of redeeming moments (laughs) They do talk on the phone when they're not together, which mm-hmm. I think if they were fully disconnected, they maybe wouldn't even do that. I hadn't thought about that. You're right. That's probably almost their most powerful kind of show of r- real love. Well, and the other and thing that I that I just thought of now is there are a couple of moments where Francis is told by other people, Bobby and Melissa in the moment when Melissa confronts her about whether or not they're having an affair, that Francis and Melissa are very similar people. Mm. 
And there's almost this supposed like transference or, or people are making this assumption. Oh, Nick is into Francis because she's similar to Melissa. So in that way, I was thinking, okay, then there is some sort of connection there, even though they're not showing it and it's faded to some degree. That's true. Cause it begs the same question of like, what is Nick and Francis's connection? And I think, uh, I think the line that Francis had about this was, uh, she knew that Nick was attracted to plain and emotionally cold woman like me. Yeah. <laughs> Describing Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> and, herself. and herself. Yeah. Which, and so, yeah, I do. I also think there's an interesting thing going on there with the pa- power dynamics between Melissa and Nick, too, um, that might sort of keep them together. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's the... Um, at the very end of this part, there's the moment when Francis and Nick actually seem to most the most they have the most direct conversation they've had about what are we doing, where do we think this is going, like what did you think was going to happen, and um, I think this is the part, or what? maybe it was actually a little bit before this. Their last, um, maybe it was a different part actually. When, but what was happening is you know, Francis basically asked Nick, like, how come you never had affairs before? Mm, mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure he shares, if Francis says, you know, what I was hoping he'd say is I never desired someone so much, but it was actually that he's kind of unhappy in his relationship. He says, you know, I do love her. That's, I think, when that whole fight starts about. Yeah. She's so upset that he loves her. Yes. But he does talk openly about, like, kind of got into this because something else wasn't going great. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I can't find that. I don't know where that is either. But I think I might have it later for uh in another party must talked about. Do okay. you want to move on to yeah, Francis we can and move Nick? On. Yeah. Francis and Nick. I think re uh reading this when I kind of went back through to skim things, it was very interesting to see the ways that Sally Rooney describes Nick to start. He's described as like basically like a shadow on the wall. It's like the most passive way you could introduce a character. It'll be like and then the husband like was standing in the doorway in the door frame and he's just described as such a peripheral character and i think that was definitely on purpose of he is throughout the book kind of elusive and you're like and it's you're like wait is he charismatic like what was so exciting about him um and so i'm curious what you think is what do you think either of them were thinking when they started emailing each other do you think either of them had any kind of like idea where that might go or were they just being like totally innocent about it i think they both had a crush on each other and i do think there's a moment i'm not gonna be able to find it right now of course um there is a moment where they're flirting and it's kind of revealed that they both had a crush on each other pretty quickly. This is before Francis kisses him in the closet, or is it maybe that that moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be. Um, okay. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Mm. Wow, I found it. Um, <laughs> that's incredible because I didn't even underline it. It's on page seventy-seven, and it's before. It's after they start 
they've started sleeping together and and Melissa's out of town and she spent the whole week at his house mm-hmm. and it's the last night that they're together they're watching a movie a Cary Grant movie and they start play acting that they're the characters in the movie and uh and so you know the the lines are in a mid-atlantic cinema voice nick said the moment i meet an attractive woman i have to start pretending i have no desire to make love to her do you typically pretend for long i said you tell me nick said in his normal voice i think i figured it out pretty quickly but i was concerned i was just deluding myself oh i felt the same way about you Mm -hmm. you know and so it's just them acknowledging the sort of unspoken sexual tension that had been there the whole time right from the start Mm -hmm. yeah i think yeah i think francis kind of went into this whole thing being like i need to do something interesting with my life so i'm gonna have this affair with an older married man (laughs) and nick i think was just looking for some escapism yeah um i mean they they do have like a connection you know Mm -hmm. their conversation when they are both being honest and open people they have really nice rapport um but i feel like that quickly becomes not their way of communicating um and they it's funny because i think a lot of the things that francis criticizes about nick i see in francis you know she describes him as cold withholding he's passive and indirect and she's Mm -hmm. all these things too you know the way she i had i had written a note for that by that same page you were talking about where you know she says do you actually like me and it's like don't bait those kind of questions like just say what you're thinking um and she was noticing getting upset that you know nick would never like really touch her outside the bedroom and like well did you try initiating that with him and i was so shocked that francis actually initiated the affair yeah because i don't know if nick would have right and i felt like that was not actually out of character for francis because she does have these kind of few and far between like bold moments um and so that was one of her bold moments but i i've totally been there with all this kind of passive like do you actually like me dancing around it and then just seeing it written in a book you're like this is so horrible it's yeah (laughs) she's projecting so much onto him because Mm -hmm. there are so many moments where he's trying to be caring and attentive to her even in some of the emails he writes her he tries to check up on her and there are so many times when he's being really caring and reaching out putting it leaning in and she rebuffs him and so her saying that to me is just it's so much projection going on there of her her own fears of being rejected and really caring for this person and he's unavailable <laughs> yes literally not available yeah yeah she does project so much he also though does not do a great job i feel like there are so many moments where he could they both could have they both equally had the i think obligation if you want to call it that to say i do have feelings for you and neither yeah. of them ever yeah. take the bait yeah yeah i so this same page there's so much there's so much in this <laughs> in this scene um and when she's asking, is it just sex or do you actually like me? Uh, and she says, you know, you can tell me I won't be offended. Uh, and then he says, I think you want me to say it's just sex. And Francis 
It says, I laughed. I was happy he said that because it was what I wanted him to think. And so she (laughs) wants him to think that it's just about the sex. Um, Even though it's obviously there's more feelings there. And so I, again, I think like this is so masterful because I think there's this um, way that young women have been socialized. I I don't want to, that maybe this isn't true about everyone, but I definitely experienced this as um, I had two older brothers. And so I was around men, young men a lot. And you want to be cool when you're that, when you're 20, 21 to be, if you're heterosexual and you want to be liked by a man, you want to be the the cool girl, the chill one, the chill one, mm-hmm. you know. And so this is her just like totally projecting that uh, out, and it comes up so many times in this in this book. And I I was just like, oh, Francis, like. I've been you and it's like, let it go. It's not good. (laughs) It's not actually what anybody wants. Cause she'll say to herself, even times of, you know, I should, um, I should probably be fun and likable. I need to relax and let things go. Uh, she, you know, so clearly puts that pressure on herself to just not care about anything. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is she, Part of me wonders, I'm like, does she actually like Nick or does she like the the feeling of power she has over him or does she has she just never been liked by someone besides Bobby and it feels good to be liked by someone else and it happens to be Nick Hmm. Um, because she I feel like she has a lot of weird things about power and control that she brings up a lot and there was even a, a quote where she's talking about how she's she almost gets more satisfaction from knowing the power she has over him during sex than actually having sex with him. Mm-hmm. And so it makes me wonder kind of if Nick was a single person out in the world, like would this relationship be as deep for her? Yeah, that's a good question because my gut feeling about their relationship my intuition about this fake relationship (laughs) in this book's not real (laughs) i know it's disappointing um is that they do have a very real uh connection as human beings i think that i think that some of the conversations they have in particular about literature and writing and you know they're they have this verbal sparring they have this intellectual connection that is beyond just that sexual connection and so it seems to me that that's that's very real um and yeah i think there's so many other things going on there for francis i mean it reminds me Again, I mean, I think there's so many crossovers and themes from normal people. That's the, I haven't read all three of her books, but um, the power dynamics are interesting because she has power over him intellectually, but in terms of their sexual connection, she feels there are so many, um, I underlined a bunch of them, but 
moments where she talks about feeling powerless to him as Mm -hmm. soon as they have a physical, they start having a physical moment. Um, and that reminded me a lot of, of normal people as well. They both kept, yeah, normal people, they both kept going back and forth of, you know, Kana feels like he doesn't have the right to ask if he can stay there at her house for the summer. And she feels like she doesn't have the right to ask him not to go home, like, Mm -hmm. of them both feeling inferior. Yeah. And just also, there's this description of, I'll try and find it in here, because I know I underlined some of them, um, where she talks about feeling this like key turn inside of her and just feeling like she can't even move her body once they start oh okay when they're having sex because she also it's funny she also i feel like describes her physically feeling that way after they have a big fight and like she's just curled up in bed and like Mm. can't uh, but it's obviously a different kind of key turning yeah well as you're looking for that i wanted to read some quotes from this Big fight they have, pages 127 to 129. Oh, I found it. Oh, you found it? Good. Yes. Page 78. Uh, This is right after they were talking. This is like the page after we were just talking about where they were going back and forth about is their relationship just sex or not? And the moment he touched me, I felt hot and passive as if I were asleep. Any strength I had seemed to leave me completely. And when I tried to speak, I stammered. And that happens a number of times with, Mm -hmm. like, as soon as he touches her, she just, like, plays dead. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And seems to be really enjoying it, too. Yes, both. Yeah, both Both. at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this scene, this fight, that all starts with her asking him why he stops drinking, which I thought was super interesting that he stops drinking. And I'm, you know, he says it's because he doesn't like to have sex drunk, but I kind of wonder, like, is there more to it? Does he want to make sure he's really in control of himself around Francis? Like, does he think he'd accidentally, you know, put his hand on her knee mm. out at dinner with the group? Right. Um, kind of forget his boundaries there. And I think it all goes wrong because it's always like okay where did where was the one thing someone said that like made someone else feel insecure and then the whole thing unraveled oh yeah and he says you know she's like is this a performance issue why why do you want to have sex when you're drunk and he says no you're very easy to please and she said i didn't like him saying that though it was true and he probably did think so and i think that tiny little bit of insecurity she felt then this huge fight you know comes out and she's saying you know am i ruining the fantasy for you and mm-hmm. then she asks him, like, why have you had any affairs before? And she wants him to say, because I never met anyone like you. And he said, you know, I used to be pretty happy. So I never really thought about it. And he says, I didn't stop loving her. Um, you know, I still love her. But it's clear that obviously the relationship has some things going on. Um, and, you know, he's saying, I'm sorry if that hurts you, which I feel like is a very kind thing for him to say. But then she just has to go into like, no, of course not, mm-hmm. um, which obviously is not true. And then it just goes and goes. They're both just hurting each other. She accuses him of doing the affair, having the affair for attention. He's hurt by that. Um, and she's, you know, he's saying, you're not jealous, Francis, are you? Which I imagine him saying, like, not in a nice way. Yeah. Um, so he gets hot and fired up in it, too. Do you think I have feelings for you? Don't be embarrassing. Francis says that. Just like so brutal. And then Francis is in bed. Uh, you know, I felt like someone had gripped my shoulders and shaken me firmly back and forth. 
Even while I pleaded for them to stop, I knew it was my own fault. I felt I'd lost control of everything. All I could decide was whether or not to have sex with Nick. I couldn't decide how to feel about it or what it meant. I couldn't decide what he would say or how much it would hurt me. Uh, for the first time, I realized how badly I underestimated my vulnerability. Just admit it, I thought. He doesn't love you. That's what hurts. Mm-hmm. And that, I feel like, is the most honest Frances ever was with herself of, you know, what's so hard for her in this relationship with Nick. Yeah. Yeah, there was another moment similar to that. This is the mo- the most revealing one in terms of her emotions. I think there's another scene in which it's described that she had given him a blowjob and it was like he he was like he was really, like cold, really cold and right? silent yeah. and and you realize that um you know Francis is bisexual and this is her first sexual experience with a man being with Nick and uh later on she t- she shares how and not with Nick i think this is just her own to her own self how um the reason it was so hard that he was so cold in that moment was because this was her first time ever mm-hmm. giving a blowjob to a man and he and she wished for feedback and she wished for all these things and I think in these moments, it's, um, again, coming back to how Sally Rooney just shows the moments that humans like miss each other and miss those moments for connection. Because I think if Francis had asked or even shared, this is my first time, Mm -hmm. he probably would have been more expressive in some way. Because he was so receptive. She said before they had sex first time, this is my first time with a man and he clearly took on a role of okay i get that and i'm gonna kind of help you out here and make sure it's good for you and yeah yeah so i think here again uh you know they have this big fight and then she she's downstairs alone when she's having these thoughts of just admit it i thought he doesn't love you and that's what hurts uh which i think is one of the most self-aware moments that she has in the whole book and it's it's a hard moment to have you know as a person although it makes you think like i don't know if that's true like he might love her he doesn't love her exclusively he might have i think he has love for her yeah yeah um but yeah he hasn't left his wife for you like Mm -hmm. that that's a fact um and i don't think she wants him to yeah there's also that um and i appreciate that they start uh you know at the end of the section actually talking about what they both would want to come out of this Mm -hmm. which Again, I, you know, as they're having this conversation, I'm wondering, like, are you both being honest about this? Um, And I, you know, he says, what would you want to happen? And they both say, you know, I didn't really think about this at the beginning, Um, which is funny. I imagine all affairs start that way that no one thinks at the beginning. Um, But then Nick says, like, I'm going to tell her and we'll work it out. And I'm kind of like, what does that mean? I'm going to tell her and we'll work it out. Like, you know, Nick puts out the example of, we could stay married and I could keep dating you kind of, or like they just seem like two lost little puppy dogs here. Not knowing where this thing's going. Well, they had brought in the concept of non-monogamy while they're on that trip. I think it's Bobby that starts talking about non-monogamous relationships. And I, I couldn't 
find the bit. I imagine Bobby would talk about something like that. Uh, there. Oh, well, yeah. There's um. Yeah. The, the. I think this is when Bobby and Francis are talking theoretically about Nick. When Bobby's like, "Come on, you have a crush on him, right? Like, what is it?" And almost gets Francis to tell her the truth. Uh huh. And I think that's when Francis says, "Like, wouldn't it depress you to sleep with someone who was in love with someone else?" Uh huh. Bobby says. You know, if they love me too, like you can love more than one person. Right, right, right. So I do think there's an acknowledgement in some of this. The the part I, they refer back to it on page 151. Mm-hmm. And she says, I thought about Bobby's dry and ideological reading of non-monogamous love. And I felt like bringing it up with Nick as a joke, maybe not being completely serious, but just floating the possibility to see what he thought. Um, right before she says to him, have you considered telling her about us? Mm-hmm. And I do think there's, um, it's like, she doesn't really explore that concept that much further. Mm-hmm. At least in this section of the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but it, it's now. it's sort of there it's like on the side it's like yeah i could tell her about us and maybe it will be okay and we can still see each other and then and then this is the conversation that gets cut off by bobby coming to the door right so that's i guess why we kind of didn't hear the wrap-up of that little life yeah. planning session do you have anything else about nick and francis you want to talk about I liked this line, actually, uh, when she says, I can't remember if I thought about this at the beginning when they're talking about what will happen moving forward, how it was doomed to end unhappily. He nodded, looking at me. I did, he said. I just thought it would be worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is interesting. Uh, You know, he has obviously a bit more perspective. He's the older one. He's married. He's the one that's married. So he knows where he's at with that. And. And he's presumably dated more than one person in his life. Right. I think that's a super limiting thing for Francis that she's only had one relationship, which in some ways continues in her life. Francis or Bobby is still very much the center of her world. Yeah. And it, it does make me think of, you know, people talk about like a relationship doesn't have to be forever for it to be a success. And I. I feel like I ideologically believe that. And then it's funny because I'll find myself when I'm engrossed in characters in a book or a movie, like the only thing I'm looking for is like success means you're together forever. <laughs> and I'm just so <laughs> stuck in that mindset of like, how are we going to end up together, guys? How are we going to make this work? And I forget like that is not the point of everything. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I have to say I'm kind of rooting for the transparent conversation between melissa and nick and the possibility of what their relationship with francis could look like moving forward whether it continues to be romantic or not because it's yeah i mean i'm curious that's funny i am not rooting for anyone in this you're not right well like i have love for all of them but I want them all to end up like single and in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely in therapy. Yes. Yes. Every single one. I don't think one. any of them should be dating or married. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I was rooting for any outcome, it would be everyone needs to be way more transparent. <laughs> yes. And 
and let things <laughs> unfurl from there. Um, and I feel like it, it could it could be possible for them. But um, you're right. They all need to go to therapy as well. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's interesting that as they're having this conversation that Bobby is the one that interrupts them. Right? I mean, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Narratively perfect. I hadn't thought about that. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also so funny how Nick clearly thought through in his mind. I think if I was Nick, I would have tried lying more. I would have been like, oh, let me just go walk with you into the garden and, you know, figure Francis would get the memo and go into her bed. And it was funny how quickly he just gave up. <laughs> well, because it was clear that it was kind of doomed. People knew, you yeah. know. Um, and I mean, they were just talking about how they're going to tell his wife anyway. So he was sort of like, screw it, here's your friend. She can know. Yeah. Or ma- also, it makes me wonder, I hadn't thought about this. What did Nick, Nick probably assumed Bobby knew. And Nick, you know, was he almost offended in that moment that Bobby came looking, realizing, oh, my God, Francis hasn't even told her best friend about me. Didn't they talk about whether or not she had told anyone? Maybe not. Oh, maybe they had already talked about that. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Anything right, else right. yeah, I think on that's Francis? For, I think we're kind of wrapping yeah, up. Yeah, we're, we're good on Nick and Francis. Yeah. It's... I think, I mean, I had, we had talked about, you know, Francis and Melissa. I don't know if there's a ton I have to say on that besides the fact that they have been compared to similar and obviously do not like each other and never did. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I had mentioned this to you earlier today, not recorded uh illegal off the air <laughs> book club moment i think that it's interesting that bobby immediately doesn't like melissa and it seems to me that it's sort of jealousy in a number of ways mm-hmm. um and I, yeah, like the way that that evolves throughout is interesting. Um, But I I just think that uh, showing the way that sometimes women react to each other when there's jealousy, I actually underlined something about how she... (laughs) Like, really, she, she, like, hates her. And it's just completely out of nowhere for no reason um and oh here it is (laughs) this is right after she kissed nick at melissa's birthday party Mm -hmm. she goes back out into the room and finds bobby and melissa together and she walks up and Bobby's talking and says, I'm just telling Melissa how much we idolize her, Bobby said. And then Melissa gave me a leveling glance and took out a pack of cigarettes. And I also think it's interesting how Francis always sees what the way that Melissa's looking at her is like negative and assumed that the pictures that she took of her would be bad. And um, and, they, and they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're beautiful. And then Melissa says... I don't think Francis idolizes anyone. Uh, I shrugged helplessly. I finished my gin and tonic, poured myself a glass of white wine. I wanted Nick to come back into the room so I could look at him across the countertop 
Instead, I looked at Melissa and thought, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) And this idea just came from nowhere, like a joke or an exclamation. I didn't even know if I really hated her, but the words felt and sounded right. Like the lyrics to a song I had just remembered. And I think that's an interesting turn of phrase because I do think it's it can be so easy for women to, I don't want to gender it, for people to uh, like have a bad feeling about someone who maybe reminds them of themselves or they're jealous of, you know, Melissa essentially has the career that Francis would want and is... 15 years older than her. Mm-hmm. And so again, with this power dynamic and this sort of almost like envy is turning into this, like, I don't want to be near you. <laughs> it's so strong. That feeling she has. Yeah. And what I think is so funny about Francis is the way she gets away in conversations of just like shrugging in that moment, like saying nothing. I know I feel so much social anxiety about silence and not responding. To, like, I feel like I have to respond directly to something someone says to me, even if it's like inappropriate or I should probably just change the subject. Um, and Francis just pulls it off of just like, well, I'm not going to respond to this really. I'm just going to pour myself a drink and shrug. And yeah. Yeah. There's some, you know, I think jealousy is a part of it. I wonder almost like Bobby's obsession with Melissa, if that made Francis feel like, like, okay, Bobby's so obsessed. Like I'm just not that interested because it's Bobby's thing. Yeah. And what is interesting about her jealousy is that, And she talks about this, that um, I think she said something once like, I didn't, I couldn't not respect Melissa because she had a book deal. Like I, you know, if you have a book deal, I can't not like you um, or not take you seriously. Obviously you're a serious person because you have a book deal. And it's so contradictory because here's Francis being like, I never want to work. And yet, you know, Uh I idolize someone who's working and getting this book deal. And I'm like, Francis, where are your values? Like, do a little check in here. What do you actually want? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of jealousy going on. I mean, there's, like, a few pages before that one. She talks about when she and Melissa saw each other at events, we increasingly avoided making eye contact, and then talks about how Melissa and Bobby whispered in each other's ears and laughed like they were in school. I didn't have the courage to really dislike her, but I knew I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And so there's just this building jealousy of her relationships with Bobby and Nick and her career and projecting that Melissa doesn't like her. And I, yeah, I just think it's interesting. I mean, I think it's a, it's very human again to build up these stories about someone else that you meet um, and project it onto them. And I almost wonder too, you know, the way that, and Bobby instantly didn't like Nick. Like both of them had an instant right. dislike for the other. And I feel like that fed into it that, you know, Francis might've felt like almost in defense of Nick, she had to hate Melissa to be like, you're yeah. on one side or the other. Yeah. No, that's so interesting. I forgot about that. Yeah. Bobby hates Nick and, and Francis hates Melissa. And then <laughs> they're each like flirting with the, <laughs> the one they like, the one they like. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, well, the idolizing of other people's lives, I, I've made it this long without making a Taylor Swift reference, so I think it's time <laughs> that I do. Do you know the song, can you think of the song Gold Rush? Yeah, but I don't know it as well as you do, I'm certain. It was, I, I think it was on either Gold, or it was either on Folklore or Evermore, which okay. kind of one in my mind, and 
it's Taylor Swift. She had wrote about the song that's like about a daydream, but I think it's really about when you get so obsessed with someone that you think to yourself, like, oh my God, um, my life would be so much better if I was them or my life would be so much better if I was dating them or like mm. just things would be so exciting and you get kind of caught in like that's the daydream of thinking um, this thing would be so amazing and then you kind of like come out of it and are like, whoa, uh, that was that was an intense daydream and I feel like that is just all over this book of the way yeah. Francis looks at Bobby and wants to be her, the way she imagines like, oh my God, if I was Melissa and had this book deal and this husband, look mm-hmm. how amazing my life would be. And that song was written presumably after Taylor Swift read this book because I'm sure she has read all of Sally Rooney. You know, her husband is going to be theories. in the show. So, like, this is where I came from. Here it is. Here it is. You heard it here first. Uh, you know, I think that's, to me, one of the bigger themes in this book is sort of about finding your your true self as like a young person. I mean, obviously it's Francis is the protagonist whose head we're literally inside of this whole book. And there's so many moments where she talks about who, you know, yeah, is she's walking around pretending she looks like Bobby. She's um, comparing herself to Melissa. She's figuring out who she is in relationship to, to Nick. She's the smarter one. She, she has this, like this power um, as a woman in that relationship. And I, I think it's really interesting. I, I, I can't remember how that sort of theme resolves itself in the second half, but it'll be interesting to see if she is able to kind of come into her own a little bit more. I mean, she's still quite young, obviously she's like 21 and I, She's still in college. Yeah. So maybe I don't know how much more. I don't remember how much more she ages by the end of the book. But um, yeah, I think that's that's like an open thread of and theme is just, yeah, the projecting and like figuring out who you are within that, but using others Mm -hmm. instead of going sort of like into yourself. It kind of comes back to how we started Sally Rooney's thought of everything is relational and you have to figure out who you are, but none of us live in a vacuum. We have to figure Mm -hmm. out who we are with the people around us and, you know, with the limited models of ways to be that we have around us. And yeah, they're definitely all going through that, especially Francis and Bobby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to share one just random, totally fun (laughs) part of the book that I love so much irrationally uh, that is not about anything we've talked about. Okay. And it's in the beginning of the book, page 35, the night or like a couple nights before they'd all been at some event, Francis and Philip walk home together. Philip let her borrow his umbrella and she was like, I'll mm-hmm. bring it back to you. And then they're at someplace else a couple nights later at the bar afterward, Philip brought us a round of drinks and said the new poem was his favorite. I had forgotten to bring his umbrella. And I just love <laughs> like that felt like, a real friendship, real life moment of like, oh yeah, I forgot to bring them back their umbrella. And I love those little yeah. moments that Sally Rooney brings in that makes you feel like you are living with these people. Yeah, I, she's so good at those tiny little moments. I I underlined a similar type of thing when they went to the theater and they were leaving Nick's show. Uh, Philip put up his umbrella and we walked towards his bus bus stop while I sort of grinned manically at nothing and touched my own hair a lot. 
it's so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, I think we'll. Oh, I have one oh, more. Have one more. I have one more line yes, that I please. that I loved. I just loved this moment. There are some moments when when Francis is really like powerful, and and she she just doesn't. She's not ready to fully own it. And so there's this moment when they're at a book. They're always going to these sort of book readings in Dublin, presumably, and. Uh, she and Melissa are standing, you know, kind of milling about, I guess, at the social part afterwards. Um, and he had been flirting with her and she was just kind of shutting him down and shutting him down. Mm-hmm. And so Melissa says, you know, you really charmed him, she said. Is that sarcastic? I asked. He was trying to flirt with you. He said you were cool. And then I love how she, her self-awareness. I was very aware of Nick standing at my elbow, though I couldn't see his expression. I knew how badly I wanted to remain in control of the conversation. Yeah, men love telling me I'm cool, I said. They just want me to act like I've never heard it before. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I just loved that line and thought it was. And those, I I love the openness of that moment of Francis. You see that she, she tried to think of something to say. Yes. That wasn't her natural thought. Yeah. Her natural thought was like, oh my God, Nick's next to me. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what would have come out of her mouth naturally. Well, she want it was, it's her cool girl persona, mm-hmm. right? Acting unaffected by, by all these things. I think there is a part of it that's true for her. Like when that person was hitting on her, she was just kind of like, I'm shutting this down. Yeah. Uh, and, but in that moment, yeah, she's, her awareness is Nick standing here. How am I gonna stay cool? Like, I don't care. And yeah. And humor, you know, Francis is funny and humor is, can be so defensive. You know, it can really shield you from having to say what you really think, having to open yourself up, you know, sharing your emotions or to kind of like divert the conversation. And I can really relate to that. I think. I pride myself on my humor, but like I can also see the ways I use it to deflect and avoid things. Yeah. 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 And I think it's, um, she has this defensiveness that comes up and I think it's, you know, the way, one of the ways that she also like deals with her family dynamic, um, you know, with her, with her dad. Uh, and so, um yeah i think that plays out the defensiveness throughout so yeah uh let me see if there's anything else i feel like we'll talk about this the next time because i think they get into it more but yeah the politics and class stuff that comes up like you've you've talked about it a little bit with francis saying that she doesn't want a job and and talking about how you know if the whole world uh like commodities uh, were shared across everyone. Every person would only make $16,000 a year. And so she never wants to make more than that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's a couple of really bold statements like that, that Francis kind of makes throughout about uh, her politics and about class and judging rich people. And I think, uh, 
yeah yeah her conflict in judging them and wanting to be them and also you know her not thinking through like can i live off sixteen thousand dollars yeah um yes we i feel like actually that's the thing that sally rooney has written more and more about in each of her books um and it was it was almost kind of nice for me that there was like less of that in this book mm. um so there you know wasn't that much of it as from what i remember because i'm you know my more recent memories are her latest books um but there there might be more in the second half yeah oh that's interesting yeah i haven't read her most recent her third book i've just read this one in normal people but yeah i i think it's just it's sort of simmering under the surface kind of always and even just there was this moment with her mother Oh, talking about the house and she was talking. Like, yeah, it's not houses. like you to get carried away with posh houses. Mm-hmm. And Francis says the comment stung me, mm-hmm. you know, and then there was I really like the moment of her traveling with Bobby. This was not their France trip, but she was reflecting on another time she traveled with Bobby. And, you know, they had like a 12 hour layover in some city and they were going to try to find free Wi-Fi and like looking for a place to nap and get coffee. And Bobby had to go to a Wi-Fi cafe to like post out about like some war that was going on and francis was like i just want to go find something to eat and bobby got so mad at her like children are dying and you know just these it's like that's the reality of every day mm-hmm. and what makes you know in that one moment bobby was like so righteous about it but seemingly in most of bobby's other life she's not like doing that every single day and so i appreciate the uh I guess the juxtaposition and hypocrisy and like randomness of when people decide to get on their high horse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yeah, I definitely think that that will come into play. Well, I know it will. (laughs) Part two, you know, you know, part two. I I don't remember exactly, but I, (laughs) I do know that the, the power dynamics of, of class definitely come into play a bit more into all of the relationships. So it'll be interesting to talk about that more. Yes, we will be back for part two. Can't wait. You know what would make this podcast even better? Me saying like less. And more importantly, this show would be better if you were on it. We want every episode to include audio messages from you. To make this happen, you need to know what the episodes will be about ahead of time. And I can share that with you when you get the podcast newsletter. Sign up at donttalktomepod.com. And you know that thing they all say about, please leave me a review? It would be really cool if you did that. So give it a thought. Hopefully a five-star thought. Thank you. Thank you.